0: Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. I'm delighted, in fact, that you have come back to listen to this program, because if you have tuned in the last couple weeks, you know that we have not shied away from the controversial discussion that we are going to have here today, and that discussion is on human gender, marriage, and sexuality. Uh, Yes, as we have now ended what was called Pride Month, and we have addressed that, and the rainbow, and the woke culture, and all these very controversial subjects in this, what we've wanted to do here, especially last week, is to put our eyes back in the Word of God, and to examine then God's design for what is male and female, and to really explore this difference of man and woman that was separate from the animal kingdom. How God had made male and female in the animal kingdom, but yet he reserved woman for his final state of creation to come out of man and the image that that represented something far bigger than perhaps human comprehension. There was something being conveyed there, even as we see in Ephesians, as we explore throughout Scripture, of the image of even Christ in his church— and even the Ark of the Covenant itself, that we would be temples of the living God, and how this beautiful relationship then between husband and wife can draw us closer to God as we understand the image of God that he created us to be. And so any tampering with that is actually tampering with something that is far greater than human comprehension, and ultimately tampering with the image of God himself that he created in us. God designed this, and it's not for man to distort and 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 tamper with and all. So we're talking about a very serious subject. I hope you've already been intrigued. Our hope in this is that you will then understand what the beauty of marriage is designed to be ultimately, that if we as men are doing our part to bless our wives and our children, to love them as Christ loved the church. And likewise, women, as you understand your role perhaps in that marriage relationship, then how you can honor your husband and give respect that in this beautiful balance, in the symmetry that God has created in his design, we will find absolute fulfillment, the beauty of love revealed, a joy, a purpose like perhaps none other that you might experience in this human life, beyond our what we'll receive in our new bodies and our vessel in our time with the Lord with Him. There is something of great joy that is being missed as our culture throws lie after lie about what we are and who we are and our sexuality and so forth. So we want to bring clarity to this very serious subject here today and try to do all that in like 20 minutes. I mean, it's (laughs) really an impossible undertaking. But to help me do this, back here in the studio with me, Dr. Stephen Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth.
1: Thank you, John. That was such a great intro. And even just as you were speaking about marriage, are we really trying to outserve each other? Christ said that he came to serve, not to be served. Are we doing that in our marriages with our spouses? Are we trying to out each other, and how can a marriage possibly fail that's based on Jesus Christ and based on serving each other? That's right. So yeah. I think this is so, this is, once again, just a great timely topic, and we really do, as you express, we want people to hear the heart of God in everything that we say today. That's right. And yeah, okay. and
0: this is, I mean, really such a, a, a timely topic, as you just indicated, that we need to create clarity in this. Definitely. And the only way that we can get clarity is from God's holy word. Let me kick us off with some scripture reading. Sure. And I think that's going to be our baseline through this whole discussion. It really is. I mean, after all, this is engaged truth. Right. We're going to take people through a <laughs> biblical worldview understanding right. of these things, very serious topics that we address today in our culture. But as we look to Matthew chapter 19, verses three to six, we read this last week. I'm going to read it again because it is our baseline here. As Jesus was answering the critics, those who were trying to trap him, It says that he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Again, that's Matthew 19. Three to six. And what we tried to really convey at the end of last week's program, and if you missed that, go back to CalvaryFountain.com and you can listen there and share it with your friends and family alike. But we tried to end up coming to this conclusion, and we just teased on it a little bit is really this overarching discussion of what's going on in our culture today that we can change the anatomy of someone, and that will ultimately change who they are as their gender that if if we change genitalia, if we add some estrogen or testosterone to the equation, that suddenly they become something different. They're no longer the gender that they were born into, but they become a different gender. And that's not what Scripture tells us at all. In fact, Dr. Ford, off air, we were talking a little bit about the anatomical differences. And as a doctor, could you help us just even in brief, maybe describe some of those differences as we just look at the anatomy of a person And if you try to change all that, you still haven't covered even a a scratch in the surface, I don't think, of of really the differences of the genders.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. When we look at anatomical, when we look at uh, neuroanatomical, there are definitely hardwired differences between men and women. Just empirically, Mm -hmm. as we look around the world around us, women tend to be shorter in stature by and large. They tend to be more flexible than men. Men tend to be taller. They have got thicker, stronger bones. They tend to have more muscle mass than women do. Mm -hmm. I think there are interesting things even from the world of sports. There's something called the Q angle, which is basically how the upper part of the leg angles into the lower part of the leg. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with physics and forces. Women, of course, we know have wider hips for childbearing, and that creates a larger angle. The end result of this is that men biomechanically are more efficient when it comes to running. Men tend to be faster runners. Most of the forces that they generate in their leg tends to be in the forward direction for running. Mm. Where with women, some tend to go in more of a horizontal plane as well as forward. The setup with the larger Q angle is just not as biomechanically efficient. Mm. But once again, the, the wider hips, childbearing, those sorts of things. But there are changes like this that if we're just talking about changing genitalia and that sort of thing we're not changing who this person is really hardwired to be.
0: That's right. And and that's where, you know, the neurological differences come in. that's still just scratching the surface. Uh, Off uh, off the air, we were talking about the Stanford Medicine Research in this area. It really, in 1990s, 1991, I believe it was Diane Hulprin, she was a, a PhD. She was the past president of the American Psychological Association. She began writing her first edition of this acclaimed text called The Sex Differences in Cognitive Abilities, that's not politically correct today, but the research goes on to say overwhelming differences. I mean, it highlights incredible differences neurologically, even the brain sizes and how the hemispheres operate within male and female that demonstrate that beyond the outward appearance, that there's something very different than makeup male and female. And these differences appear even in two-month-old So the two-month-old infants are already demonstrating incredible differences that set apart male from female and female from male. And I'll go on record as saying that Bruce Jenner is never going to be a woman, no matter how hard he tries to alter his body. That's right. We have looked at the science in this. We've also examined even the historical evidences uh, for those who worship false gods, like Dionysus and Sibylle and Artemis, even the men who were castrating themselves— to serve these false gods, and yet they can't change their gender by altering their anatomy. I want to say that even a woman who's had a a double mastectomy is still very much a woman. Just because her body is now different doesn't change the fact that she's still a woman. Exactly. And we know the neurological differences, even as described in scripture, of of the nurturing nature, uh, of that helpmate nature, and the desire to be loved a little different where men tend to crave respect that they interpret as love. So there's something about the innate character as well as the neurological differences. We could probably spend weeks upon weeks just talking about that, right? I mean, and that's something that's a bit of a confusion in our society today that we think, well, it's purely an external matter. Right. Well, these are things that Jesus was addressing with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15. Right. While they were so fixated on the external and the rel- ritualistic na- nature of a relationship with God, they were totally missing the point of the inward transformation that occurs through relationship with God through right. Jesus Christ. And so that inward work has to be transformed. And ultimately, our whole society is a byproduct of everything external. And we'll right. talk a little bit more about that today, of, of the damage that's been done to the sexes in, in the outward appearance of things, even through cosmetics and looking a certain way. And there's a great deal of historical evidence. This goes all the way back to Babylon. Right. This is not something new, not an American invention, certainly not a Western culture invention of cosmetics and and the pressure to look and feel a certain way uh, to be accepted. Uh, and th- this is something that goes all the way back to Semiramis, even at the Tower of Babel. Very interesting. But we did talk a little bit about last week of the the differences yes there are anatomical differences yes the males and females are different physically but in God's design for this, there is something beautiful that's being done, and yes, raising up the next generation, procreating, having children, the first church, and we see the responsibility then in teaching the children to know God that they not forget Him. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, Deuteronomy 6, Psalm 78, talk about that responsibility, the beautiful joy in, in creating this environment of others who would know and and understand the ways of the Lord. And and then they're to serve as this institution for personal and spiritual development, that the things the Lord teaches us in that marriage union, and and may may I preface here that the Apostle Paul spoke highly of being single even unto the Lord. So for all of our singles listening to this program, there is a beautiful joy in that service unto the Lord. But if you are married— then we have to understand that God has given this incubator of maturing our faith, that through our partner, he grows us, and he helps us to apply the very things that we're learning scripturally, and then we experience then the pleasures of this God-honoring union. And yes, that even comes with physical experiences that come with that partner, and and we could spend hours on that as well. We talked a little bit again about that last week, but as we look at the original design— Going back to Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 22, uh, God put Adam to sleep to take a rib, as we have translated that, from his side to create woman. However, the original text creates this beautiful visual. And the word that's translated there of helpmate is not, may I repeat that, not synonymous with assistant servant, minion, or subordinate, okay? The, rather, the Hebrew phrase there is conegdo, and it means a powerful, extensive aid and support. It's even used in Deuteronomy 33 and Exodus 18 as a phrase to discuss the potent interventions and deliverances of God himself. That's what woman was created to be, aiding man to make him something of the image of God, right? So it's not that she isn't the image of God, they both are, but together there's something beautiful that's illustrated with, I believe, even the image of the Ark of the Covenant itself. In Genesis chapter 2, the side that's related to us there, the the word there is tesela, and it actually is more than just simply a rib, but it can be the side, and it's used even of the sides of the Ark of the Covenant or even the sides of the altar, that you have this box now that in it has the authority of God, the law of God, the provision of God, but yet it's incomplete without the sides of the box. So this beautiful imagery of man and woman that represent even, yes, the image of the church as Christ over his church is something that is beyond human comprehension, is something bigger than we can imagine. Of course, man would tamper with it in our sin-rebellious nature. And I believe that Satan prods that constantly, yeah. dilute it, distort it. Um, it you know, it, the, the debauchery then that comes by way of flesh through Leviticus 18 and 20, we talked last week, you just can't find an exhaustive list of all the ways we can uh, be immoral with our vessel. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, what we find then is the reason why it's being attacked so often is because it is the image of God, it's the image of his church, and it's something absolutely beautiful that should never be tampered with. And if we operate within it, we will find the joy that we seek. We'll find the purpose yeah. that we seek. And I think that it, perhaps now is the time to talk about that Of as we look <laughs> then to, well, wait a minute, all you Christians keep talking about the man is this and the woman is subordinate. And and that's not what Scripture actually conveys. It's It's actually something even... Far greater than that is something more beautiful than that. I don't know if you want me to get into that now. I, no, I think <laughs> that's great.
1: I think you brought up a great point And it occurred to me as you were speaking that because marriage between a man and a woman is God's design, we should not be surprised that it's under fire. That's right. Uh, obviously, you know, Satan wants to take out and attack anything that is of God's. So we shouldn't be surprised to that as, at all. And as you were talking about the Ark of the Covenant and, and you know, Eve and, and meaning, uh, you know, a side, it's like on the Ark of the Covenant, there wasn't one side that was greater than the other side or one right. side that was dominant <laughs> over the other side, uh, but there were two sides to create a whole, which I think is what we see, you know, the picture of God creating in marriage between a man and a woman.
0: That's right. And I, I you know, I think about what God has given me through my wife. Oh, Right. Um, you know, we've been together now 30 years. Wow. It's hard to believe. And so that means that she's the most influential person in my life. Yeah. I've been with her longer than even my parents. Yep. And and so what she's poured into me and how I've learned how to apply God's word in and through the everydayness of my life is he's raising us up to be priests, a royal priesthood at that. Yeah. The the home is our first church, right. and she is uh, the aid in that to make me a better man, and hopefully I to help her become a better woman in the image of God.
1: And I see a great point in that as well with not being unequally yoked. Mm. You're both God-fearing believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, and obviously for to be according to God's design, that's what we need to do when, when we can. I mean, there are obviously some situations where it doesn't always happen that way, work out that way, and that sort of thing, but that definitely is the ideal as we're looking for a mate will this person draw me closer to jesus christ can i serve the lord better together with this person than i can on my own That's is right. this god's will for my life
0: i've often said to my wife that she brings spice and seasoning to my bland entree right right just <laughs> I mean, as God exactly the same way um, let me just talk for a moment about being set apart um, because i did allude to it a little earlier about you know the pressures now to conform to a certain image and who's the one who's creating that image and we Often, is un- if unbelievers have a perception of Scripture, uh, I-, I do recall that when we were at Promise Keeper events, sometimes the women would be gathered outside almost in protest to it because they didn't understand that the men were being trained to be better servant leaders right. in their home, right. not oppressors, not That's dictators. Right but rather how to compliment their wives, how to listen better, how yeah. to speak with love, to in- intentionally hear her heart, yeah. and how to address that, and to be a priest within the home to honor God, and that includes foot washing. Right. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever experienced actually washing your spouse's mm-hmm. feet, but it is life-changing. Wow. And I mean, what Christ did with his disciples and modeled that for us, if we actually take that literal and do it... It's amazing how that demonstrates a servant leadership role, and so when we properly understand that the Bible is not our enemy here, the Word of God is designed to help us, to guide us, to improve our living conditions, even in this earth. Even an unbeliever, if applying some of the things (laughs) of Scripture, will live a better, healthier
1: life. Right?
0: They'll eat better. If they're a farmer, they'll they'll harvest crops that are better. Um, They'll have healthier uh, bodies and and overall even agriculture. Well, if you, you know, the hydro efforts and trying to tend to a crop, I mean, there's so much wisdom in scripture that if we apply these things, we will find that we will operate better. And so if we truly understand what it's teaching us, we can learn so much about why the culture has such a mixed message Whatever is politically correct at the time, whatever's moral, morally relative at the time, and that whatever's popular, that seems to be get the attention today, and, and, it, and it's conflicting with whatever just came out last week. Right. Uh, and so when the Paul, the Apostle Paul, for example, is writing his letter uh, to the Corinthians around 57 AD, this particular culture was filled with promiscuity and prostitution. Even those who were worshiping Artemis, Diana as we know her today, uh, Diana is also known as Semiramis— And she was worshipped by Jezebel. And various ancient texts about Semiramis, who was the wife of Nimrod, and Nimrod who led those cities at the time of the Tower of Babel through the Mesopotamian Valley. It's interesting because you look to this culture and you look to the archaeological records on that, she was teaching the women to elicit power through sexuality by painting their faces. And this became what led to the Egyptian culture, culture of all the, the, the painted mascaras and so forth that influenced even ISIS, and, who was also uh, Semiramis, and a very provocative, uh, seductive behaviors. And even today, we see that that lie is continually perpetuated in the culture that women have to only be powerful by eliciting that power through sexual behaviors or attire a, a that is seductive. And all of these things are not of God at all. This is a lie through the culture that is harsh on women. It is degra- de- degrading to women. It is, it is hard on marriages. It is, the lie is just so perpetuated. It is destructive at its core. And we succumb to this temptation time and time again. It's a, listen, there's a $5 trillion industry in the apparel business alone Women's fashion is a $621 billion industry. The industry of uh, cosmetics, for example, is $805 billion. This is every year. And it's a $45 billion cosmetic industry that's out there in order to maintain this superficial value that God never wanted us to, to go into. That void has to be filled by Him because we all have insecurities. We all feel less than. And somehow, if we measure up in a certain way, then we'll have the attention we desire, we'll have the affection that we desire, and ultimately, if it's superficial like that, it'll never be what we desire. And and Cosmopolitan and Hollywood Information Highway and all of these constantly perpetuate this message, and then women feel less than, and they feel beat up and downtrodden, and and then men uh, are looking at the wrong things, in women, and we see this crazy cycle that keeps going on and on. And I believe this is why First Peter three, one to six is so powerful here. He says, Wives likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And this is where all the women just checked out, right? <laughs> so I'm like that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And this is the husbands being won over to Jesus Christ by their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner... In former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. And that could probably lead us into a discussion now on submission. Right. I'm not sure that we can get through it all, but I do love and we are talking off air about this, Dr. Ford of Galatians chapter three, verse twenty eight. That there is neither Jew nor Greek, there right. is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And we also see in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, this beautiful imagery of the home where the husband is head over the wife because he's to embody the image of Christ. Right. And so when all done in proper balance, we will not be filling these voids with the things of the world. We will understand total fulfillment in Christ Jesus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really think that phrase, neither Jew nor Greek, et cetera, is really one of the most beautiful, liberating Mm -hmm. Christian doctrines out there. Amen. Yeah. And and so uh, effective and so important in our personal relationships, but also in our society and as a culture. I mean, how many of the situations that we're facing today – could be addressed and and really could be resolved by taking that kind of an attitude towards those around us.
0: Amen. Amen. I, you know, And if we look at how radical that was at that time, right. so many people believe the that charts. the scripture somehow belittles women, and that's not at all. They were to be set apart. And, and and unfortunately, for the sake of time, we can't really talk about that here today. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, there was the talk about uh, head coverings. Right. And what really we find that if we understand the culture at that time, the women who didn't have the head coverings were the women who were often making a statement as they were coming into a posture of worship that they were following a false god, right. uh, one that was empowering them sexually to have power, to have value in the culture. And so Paul was imploring them by way of tradition to be set apart, right. you know, to, to, to be aware of the culture at large and to imploring them to say modesty is okay it's beautiful yeah. you have great value you don't have to look like the world to be of value and you don't have to buy into the lies of the world that saying that the gender you are is not sufficient enough right. or even men as we're being attacked left and right emasculated on television right. and told that that there's a toxic masculinity that somehow being in the image of God as a man after God's heart is somehow wrong. And that if I appear to be strong in any way, or, you know, there's sort of the the warrior hunter killer out there, or, you know, the the gatherer nature of us, that somehow this is wrong. But if we truly understand its design as God has made it to be, we will find fulfillment and we will find fulfillment. And and we understand then that as scripture was very radical, even at that time, even talking to the slaves saying that they are one with those who were free, especially in a culture where there are 30 to 40% slaves. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that was radical! Now you can have an insurrection if not handled with great precision. But yet we see in Peter and his instruction to the slaves and to those who are in marriage. I love when we talked about that in the same context (laughs) uh, within the same set of instructions. That sometimes we can so have a wrong perception about marriage that it becomes drudgery. It becomes a burden as opposed to the beautiful image of God. This gift of marriage that He has given to us. Dr. Ford, we're out of time. Look at this. It just flies right uh, past. It's amazing how quickly it goes. But I encourage our listener, go and read 1 Corinthians 11 again. Reach out to us. We'd be happy to send you our notes and and study this with you. We're not just a voice on the radio. We're your friends. We're going to help you, guide you through this study. And you can reach out to us at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church. And services are on Sundays, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. We'd love to worship with you. Again, if you'd like to re-listen to this broadcast and the others in the series, go to calvaryfountain.com and share it with your friends and family alike. God bless you, my friends. Take care.